to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me, as always, is Mark A. Johnston from the Pacific Northwest. Mark, welcome back. How you doing? Hey, Jeff, it's great to be here. We actually have some sunlight right now, so I figured what better way to, you know, try and absorb the last few pieces of vitamin D I could find than sitting inside in a recording studio and do the show. Well, it's not sunny here. It's actually cold here, but I'm seeing people are getting ready for spring training already. I'm seeing a lot of spring training posts on on Twitter and, and social media, even though spring training might not start on time. It's, it's exciting that traditionally we'd be about a month out of pitchers and catchers reporting. Right. But we'll just keep our fingers crossed that we start on time, that everybody stays healthy, and maybe we can start to get back to normal pretty soon. Let's get back to normal here with our show. This is show number 99. That means wow. next week is going to be, actually, it's going to it's just going to be a number. Let's just play through it. It's just going to be a number, but <laughs> but we're excited that this is show number 99, show number 100 coming up next week. I don't, I'm not sure that we're going to have anything too special, but it's just kind of a big mark for us. So uh, excited about that. We've got a really good show to, to go over today, Mark. I'm excited because I, I am an animal lover. My wife is a veterinarian. We've got plenty of pets. You've got dogs. I know you're an animal lover and I have no idea. You're going to talk about dogs and baseball and I have no idea what you're going to bring up. So I'm excited to hear that. Yeah, me too, man. You're excited to hear what you've got too? Good. Well, that makes sense. Unfortunately, this is a new year, but we've already started off losing a hall of famer already in the first week. Tommy Lasorda unfortunately passed away last week. I am going to, I want to talk about Tommy Lasorda and I'm going to do a kind of a career retrospective of who people have called the last celebrity manager in baseball. And I've got some really fun audio for us to listen to. It should be a really good show. I'm Phil Scott Waxman. Yeah, I, I've been you. counting the uh, days till this one. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's get right into it. Uh, let, let's warm right. up, though. We don't want to we don't want to cramp up. We don't want to hurt yeah. ourselves because we want to be in tip top shape for episode 100 next week. So in BP, I thought because I'm going to be talking about Tommy Lasorda, I wanted to just come up. I, I wanted to throw in a couple of shorter Tommy Lasorda things that I thought fit better here in BP. We like to talk about practical jokes in the clubhouse on road trips, those kind of things. I've got a couple here from Tommy Lasorda that I thought would be fun to talk about before we we get into the the main part of talking about Tommy. So Jerry Royce, who is going to come up later in this episode, but Jerry was on the Dodgers while Tommy was managing and Frank Pulley. Do you remember that name, Mark? A longtime major league umpire? I do remember Frank Pulley, yes. Yeah, so Frank Pulley was working behind the plate. And uh, Jerry Royce was not pitching in this game, but somehow he got a hold of a game ball and he wrote a little message on it. He wrote in ballpoint pen, he wrote, To Frank, may God bless you, Tom Lasorda. (laughs) Now, this ball, somehow I'm assuming he got a ball from a ball boy and then gave it back to the ball boy. And then when the ball boy ran out there to give him some more, he took this ball out there with him. Well, it it eventually did make its way into the game. Now, Pulley never saw the writing on the ball, but the ball was fouled off into the stands where, incredibly, a fan caught it, and his name was Frank. So it worked out. <laughs> it worked out for the best. Frank got a personalized baseball from Tommy Lasorda. 
go into a baseball game. Oh man, game. I don't even I don't even think Penn and Teller could pull that one off. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that is totally a Penn and Teller trick. Okay, we're gonna foul this ball off, and sir, what was your name? Exactly. Look on the ball. There you go. <laughs> It'll be the two of clubs. All right. That, that's, that's hilarious. I wonder what would happen if Frank Pulley would have seen it. He probably would have, you know, if he would have inspected it first, obviously he wouldn't have put it in the game, but I wonder if he would have tossed Lasorda just right there. That's where I thought you were going with it right there. <laughs> Maybe they had a run in earlier and then he got the special ball and that was it for him. But I think it's funnier the other way because it's more magical, you might say. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Jay Johnstone, another well-known prankster during his playing days. He was on a Lasorda managed team in the 80s when they visited the Phillies at Old Veterans State. Stadium, that wonderful place. Well, John Stone was not in the lineup, so he decided to throw on a pair of overalls over his jersey and join the grounds crew dragging the infield in the middle of an inning break. So remember, first of all, Veterans Stadium was turf, and they just had those little cutouts, so there wasn't a whole lot to do, but he still put on overalls over his jersey. The crowd instantly noticed him when he ran out onto the field because he's got a Dodger jersey on just with some overalls on top of it. So the crowd immediately starts cheering, which is a rarity in Philadelphia. These are the people that would, you know, boo Santa Claus. And there's a jail in the in the old Eagles stadium. Well, I guess it was Veterans Stadium because that's where they played. Everybody was everyone thought this was hilarious, except for one person, Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> he was not happy. Yeah. He fined him two hundred dollars on the spot. And he also thought he was going to kind of embarrass him. He said, oh, yeah, get out of that outfit. You're pinch hitting to lead off the next half inning. So Johnston <laughs> shed his overalls, goes up to the plate and hits a pinch hit home run. <laughs> not really, not really what Lasorda had in mind. He comes into the dugout after circling the bases. He's getting high fives and he walks past Tommy and he just uh, under his breath goes, next time you need me, I'll be down in the ground screw room. And then he just kept going on with the high fives. So Jay Johnstone, that was that was big time. He big time Tommy Lasorda right there. <laughs> Absolutely, that's great. All right, Mark, I, I asked you some trivia last week. It was kind of it was it was an iffy question because there are some stipulations to get the correct answer. But we did get one. Our good listener Chris from St. Louis came in with the stipulation and the correct answer. So big big time props for that. My question was, which player hit the most home runs after the age of 40? So this is going to be yes. somebody that had a long career and <laughs> was able to hit home runs. So any any guesses? Not really. No, I mean, I kind of threw out a couple last week and then I thought of a few that, you know, made sense at first. But then you think about them and you go, oh, wait, no, it couldn't be Walt Weiss. No, so, no, it was definitely not Walt yeah. Weiss. I'm pretty so, sure Walt no, Weiss. No, I, I got nothing for you, man. Pretty sure Walt Weiss was not playing baseball when he was in his 40s. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. He was easy to eliminate from yeah. the selections. Okay. So my immediate response when I saw a list was that it had to be Carlton Fisk. That's what I had always heard, that Carlton Fisk had the most home runs after the age of 40. But that is actually not true. Carlton Fisk hit 72 home runs after the age of 40. Okay. There's another guy that played until he was 42. So he only really had three years after the age of 40 to hit home runs. But that gentleman's name was uh, Barry Bonds. Ah, yes. That makes sense now that you think about it. Yeah. 
So uh, Barry actually hit 79 after the age of 40. Now, the way if you go and do some research here, go on baseball uh, reference, you look at 2004 and it just says Barry Bonds was age 39 that year. But he he was to start the year. But Barry's birthday is on July 24th. So we had almost half a season worth of home runs and he hit 45 of them that year. So you got to add on whatever he hit after he turned 40 that year. And that equals 79, which is obviously greater than Fisk's 72. Uh, There you go. Other notables, Daryl Evans had 67 and Dave Winfield had 59. So Barry Bonds, 79 home runs after he turned 40. So I got a new trivia question for you. Yeah. This has to do with stolen bases. And I'm just going to go right now. I mean, you can eliminate it pretty quickly. This is not the answer is not Ricky Henderson. Normally, if I throw something stolen base related, Ricky is the answer. He is not the answer. Since 1900, who has the most career stolen bases but never led the league in stealing bases? Wow. You got to think of somebody who could run, could never run as much as to unseat a Ricky Henderson, unseat a Vince Coleman, unseat a Tim Raines, a Ron LaFleur. To, to go back to a, somebody that we've covered in the past, a Kenny Lofton. So I essentially just eliminated a couple of names. Most career stolen bases. So you're looking for somebody who is either the second or third best base stealer of their era? The bridesmaid of, of their era, yes. <laughs> okay. The uh, Susan Lucci. Yeah. <laughs> now, I am. this goes back. I'm, I am preferencing this with since 1900. So, you know, remember, before that, you could get credited with a stolen base if you were on first base and somebody singled and you went to third base. You got you were credited with a stolen base because you advanced two bases on a base hit. So we're eliminating that. There is no sliding Billy Hamilton. None of those guys. Okay. 1900. All the way to the current current day. We'll let uh, everybody think about that. Let us know if you've got some answers. Always happy to hear what uh, what people can come up with. So there is our trivia for this week. Let us now, the grounds crew, come out. They'll uh, fold up the, the tarp uh, over by uh, behind the cage where all the media stands so they don't ruin the grass. And uh, we will let them drag the infield. And Mark, let's get into the main part of our show here. I am going to let you go first because I'm very interested to know. I, I told that story a couple of weeks ago about uh, our buddy Chicken Wolf, who hit that quote-unquote walk-off inside the park homer when the right fielder was bitten by a dog. Now, that's yes. the, that's the that's only... That's kind of what triggered this. Yeah, that's the only dog story, besides these minor league teams that use dogs to go and retrieve bats instead of bat boys. Well, we'll get into that. We know your story from a couple weeks ago, and then everybody, you know, if you think about dogs in baseball, maybe you think about the current bark in the park's uh, selections, you know, or we had... Uh, didn't we have one for a goat one time? If you brought your billy goat to the... Uh, <laughs> well, the Cubs were uh, not. Actually, that was not sanctioned officially by the Cubs. Yeah, they were not happy about that. I see. Okay. And well, you know, but we're not talking about goats anyway. Well, look, take a look back uh, uh, quite a long time ago. And I, I, I was like, okay, so we got Bark in the Park. And what, what are the other, you know, I know, like you said, Jeff, about the dogs that help go out and, and become bat boys or bat dogs. And, you know, what else, what else could there be out there that, because I love dogs so much and I love baseball so much. 
So uh, go back to 1887. Okay, these are cigarette cards I'm talking about. The T206, the Honus Wagners you always see mm-hmm. that are kind of like very tiny, skinny cards. Well, there's one uh, of Art Whitney, he, who was uh, with the Giants in 88 and 89 World Series. This is a very iconic card. If you look it up, you may have seen it. It was a tobacco card from Old Judge Cigarettes. And there's a little tiny dog, and I can't figure out. I think it might be a Bichon or a, or a Yorkie. A little tiny dog, and he's got his paw or her paw on the knee of Mr. Whitney. And it's really, really cute. And this has become a very iconic card. Uh, one sold recently for around $20,000. So that was the first find I had of, of a dog in the world of baseball. Was Art Whitney brought him to us. So that was kind of cool. I don't know, Jeff, if you collect cigarette cards or if you did back then. Uh, just cigarettes. Uh, I discard just the co- cards. Yeah, I just collect cigarettes. Okay, so jump ahead a few years. How about mascot dog food? That's right. There was a there was a type of dog food called mascot dog food, and it used to be pitched by the one and only Mickey Mantle. That's right. You pay a baseball player enough, they'll hawk anything. Ask Rafael Palmero about Viagra. So... <laughs> There was actually a set of cards uh, that was released along with the dog food. You can look them up. They're out there. The mantle card from that set recently sold for about four grand. The Mickey, Ma- Mickey Mantle mascot dog food was another, you know, a foray into now we are at product placement and we're hawking dog food. I, I see baseball. here. I just looked up the, the mascot dog food. It's a hit, apparently. You can send 25 <laughs> cents and one label from a can of mascot dog food, and you'll receive an 8 by 10 action photo personally autographed, a membership card, and an identification pin. Very nice. You found those cards out there, and um, again, you know, here we go. Dogs, baseball, 1993, Milk Bones. Now, I know we've all enjoyed a Milk Bone uh, now and then. I, uh, I like to eat them for shock value, and it really freaks people out when I do. Yeah, so in 93... Milk bones, which I may have tried a 93 milk bone. I don't know if they're like wine in different years or better or anything like that. But it had a 20-card set, and it had uh, Ripken, Molitor, a bunch of other Hall of Famers in it. So I looked those up, too. And they're all pictures of the ballplayer with their dog. You got Ripken's on there with a dog named Champagne. And you got Matt Young with his Dalmatian, Cy. I wonder who he's named after. (laughs) You know? Wally Joyner's got Chloe and Shadow. Anyway, is it, so they're all the ballplayers. It's a 20-card set with these ballplayers and their dogs. I thought that was pretty cool. You can find those on eBay, too, for maybe 12 15 bucks a set. I'm looking at them. This is really, these are really cool. Now, Tom Glavin, I'm going to, Tom Glavin, it's great. you got a dog. He's got a golden retriever, and its name is Golden. Just That's not, <laughs> not a lot of effort put into that name. Yes, and his sister retriever, maybe. <laughs> Will Clark's dog, though, is awesome. It's a lab, and its name is Psycho. See, that just is something. If you ask me, what would Will Clark, Will Clark name his dog? I'd be like, probably Psycho. That sounds awesome. like something Will Clark would do. So, yeah, how about those are cool cards? Well, now I do want to give a shout out to Rafael Palmero. I mean, you mentioned him earlier, pushing Viagra, but here he has got two dogs. He has got two Cocker Spaniels, which is what I have, and I love Cocker Spaniels. And uh, Kirby and Wrigley, 
but uh, he's got them. <laughs> he's wearing a Bill Cosby sweater uh, and sitting in front of his pool. That's an interesting picture. <laughs> There's some weird dichotomy there. He's trying to give us a statement, but maybe he doesn't even know what it is. A few more modern examples of uh, cards with uh, ball players and or dogs on them. Larry Walker was in a 1998 upper deck card and the gold medallion parallel in 2000 ultra David justice and his Doberman on there. See, that's just lean, mean fighting machine times two right there. There's a 96 card in score where Benito Santiago is hanging out with our favorite dog. Shotzi. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, I mean, fortunately, uh, Shotzi's mom, owner slash psycho herself, Marge Shot, was not there. Benito Santiago hanging out with Shotzi. And then there's uh, the last one I could find was a 2002 Ultra with Jason Giambi and an Australian Shepherd. Well, I did. So, if you want to talk about Marge Shot, you've got to imagine that Shotzi, she took much better care of, of Shotzi than she did her players. So that's at least, that's true. you know, you feel good for the dog at least. Right. I doubt the dog was a racist thug, though. So. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? The, the great thing about dogs is that dog loved her unconditionally. No That's matter true. what an awful, yes. kind of awful, awful person she was. Yes. The, the unconditional love of a dog. Okay. So those are the, I wanted to point out the cards. Now, you, you talk about these dogs that are out in minor league parks and they're doing stuff. Well, there's actually in, in Trenton. Uh, the Trenton Thunder, which is a double affiliate of the Yankees, they're actually on their third generation of, of bat dog. You got the grandson of the original dog, Chase. His name is Rookie. And uh, he is out there for the Trenton Thunder. He does, uh, he runs the bases. He knows how to run the bases. He goes and he picks up the bats. And uh, he, what happened was he was just there. Tony Franklin, the manager of the team, went out to the, for his meeting with the umpires and he took the dog with him and the fans <laughs> went nuts. That's so, awesome. So they taught him how to trot out to the, uh, grab the barrel of each of the bat and return it to the dugout. They say his execution is absolutely perfect. He's never made a mistake. He likes to um, show off a little bit and he's a very uh, friendly little dog. But here's another one, Clyde. Clyde is the Angel Stadium's rescue dog. And he likes to go shag foul balls. He likes to ride around in the golf carts. And he's gone from a, a very scared stray dog to become this super friendly uh, social little guy out there now. Uh, my favorite name, there's a lot of them. My favorite name for a bat dog, though, the Greensboro Grasshoppers have a black lab retriever named Miss Lulu Gehrig. Uh, she does the same thing she runs <laughs> she runs the bat bases and she picks up the bats she though is very special miss lulu Gehrig got her own card in the team set so you know there's one to collect for you i don't know how to get it autographed i'm not really sure how they do it. maybe she just licks it well, I, I don't know i see the trenton thunder had a night where they gave out t-shirts with the dog on it with the bat there you go miss lulu very nice <laughs> Uh, and then I was, I, I, do you remember just a couple years back? Uh, actually it was more than that. It was a while. Uh, Milwaukee was at their spring training mm -hmm. facility and a little yep. matted dog. Yeah. Hank. So you can't, you can't talk about baseball and dogs without talking about Hank. Hank is one of the most famous dogs there is now, you know, Hank, Hank, um, he joined the team and just by walking out and saying, how you doing? I'm your new mascot. And so they started, he started joining the team for, 
meals after the game and hanging out with the players. And they, the Brewers actually looked for a home to try and find out if uh, Hank had a home already and he'd escape. Nothing, absolutely nothing. And so uh, that's when the Today Show story came. They brought him back to Milwaukee. And man, did he love Milwaukee, as we all would, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, he made himself at home. Hank uh, did find his, his permanent home, though, when he was adopted by Marty Ronsky, the team's general counsel and senior vice president. So Miss Ronsky uh, has Hank and had him. He's looking really sharp now. In fact, he was a uh, he was a piece of some controversy right there. People saw the new pics and video of him, and they went, "That can't be the same dog." Maybe, just maybe, the Brewers switched him out on us and brought in a nice, healthy Bichon. And so they actually did. They, they actually did a press conference and they provided the dental records and microchip evidence proving that Hank was actually Hank. We wouldn't want him cheating like that at all. All right, so that was uh, that was fun because <laughs> I'm, uh, as you know, a big animal lover, and I've got two awesome dogs that I, we name our dogs after Star Wars characters and our cats after uh, pop culture figures. So we don't have the the baseball names anymore. No, neither do we. But that's going to be next time. Right now, we have Fred and Daphne. So you can figure that one out. All right. So let's uh, move on. As I promised, I wanted to talk about Tommy Lasorda. You know, unfortunately, Tommy Lasorda passed away last week at the age of 93. First off, I'm just going to say, you know, Tommy Lasorda was human. He had some issues, as we all do. We're not going to talk about those. Uh, I do want to acknowledge that, yes, though, we do know about some of the controversial uh, things that that Tommy didn't want to talk about or, or flat out lie about uh, regarding his son. We don't want to condone some of those attitudes, uh, but, you know, we're here to talk about baseball and fun things that happen in the game. So I just want to throw it out there. We completely aware of that. Just don't want to get into that part of we, we want to have fun with Tommy Lasorda. So Lasorda only played in 26 games over three years in the big leagues. He finished with a record of 0-4 and a 6.48 ERA. Two of those seasons were with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1954 and 55, and then his contract was purchased by the Kansas City Athletics in 1956. Tommy was one of those 4A pitchers that we've talked about before in his 14 seasons in the minor leagues, which tells you something right there. His record was 136 and 104 compared to his 0 and 4 mark in the big leagues. In AAA, he finished with a 110 and 63 mark, and he even hit 12 career home runs with a 223 batting average in AAA. Straight up impressive numbers for a pitcher. Lasorda's managerial career began in 1965 in the minors, and it lasted all the way through 1996. He was twice named National League Manager of the Year in 1983 and 1988 and twice led the Dodgers to the World Series in 1981 and 1988 as well, as well as two other National League pennants in 78 and 79. He has since had his number two jersey number retired by the Dodgers. He finished with a 1,599 wins, 1,439 losses mark as a skipper, which is good for 22nd most wins as a manager in Major League history, and he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1997. For me, Tommy is what I will always consider the quintessential Major League manager. He was kind of out of shape, seemed a little crotchety, old school guy with with a great sense of humor. 
I believe we've mentioned this before. In fact, I know we have with it. Tommy Lasorda was the godfather to Hall of Fame catcher Mike Piazza, and Tommy's relationship with Piazza's family led to Mike being drafted. Well, I'm here to tell you that is not true. <laughs> what? What? It wasn't nepotism? Tommy was not godfather to Mike Piazza. Tommy was godfather to Tommy Piazza, Mike's younger brother, who he's named after. Mike Piazza is, <laughs> <laughs> that's, I have thought that for 20 years, 25 years. That is the story I've heard. Yeah, that me is too. Not true. He is. Wow. Tommy Lasorda is the godfather to Mike Piazza's younger brother, who is also named after Tommy Lasorda. Lasorda is actually, or was actually, however, the godfather to an actual major league catcher, Alex Avila. Alex's grandfather was a scout for the Dodgers, and he was a friend of Tommy's for over 50 years. Alex Avila's middle name is also Thomas, after Tommy Lasorda. He really it touched a lot of people's lives. You've got people naming yeah. kids after him and godfather to how many of these guys. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, enough numbers. Let's get into the kind of stuff we like to talk about on this show. There's going to be there's going to be a lot of beeped audio. I'm just warning you. <laughs> we are a safe for work podcast. It took me a good amount of time to edit some of these clips because Tommy was not afraid to uh, use the language that he was most comfortable with, which was often swearing. It was colorful. Is colorful. That's a good way to describe it. The most well-known clip, probably, of Tommy speaking his mind is probably his reaction post-game to a loss to the Cubs in May of 1978, wherein Dave Kingman hit three home runs, including a go-ahead three-run bomb in the top of the 15th inning. Reporter Paul Olden, in the, uh, in the manager's office after the game, bravely asked Tommy about Kingman's performance. What's your opinion of Kingman's performance? my opinion of Kingman's performance. What the f you think is my opinion of it? I think it was put that in. I don't give opinion of his performance. Jesus Christ, he beat us with three home runs. What the do you mean? What is my opinion of his performance? How can you ask me that question like that? What is my opinion of his of, of his performance? Jesus Christ, he hit three home runs. Jesus Christ. I'm pissed off to lose game and you asked me my opinion of his performance jesus christ i mean that's a tough question to ask me isn't it what is my opinion of his performance yes it is i asked it and you gave me an answer well i didn't give you a good answer because i'm mad but i mean that wasn't a good question that's a tough question to ask me right now what is my opinion of his performance I mean, you want me to tell you what my opinion of his performance is? And he just did. That's right. Jesus Christ. The guy hits three home runs against us. I mean, I don't want to, I don't mean to get pissed off or anything like that, but, uh, you know, you asked me my opinion. I mean, he put on a hell of a show. He hit three home runs. He drove in, what, seven runs? Eight. Eight runs. Well, what the hell more can you say about it? I didn't mean to get mad or anything like that, but God in my opinion of his about of his performance see you joe <laughs> he says goodbye to somebody at the end see you joe <laughs> wow 
So I, I don't think he liked the question. I mean, I'm not a, a psychiatrist or anything, but I'm judging from his reaction. Maybe he wasn't fond of the question. Yeah, I think those three, uh, three home runs by Dave Kingman did put him in a great mood to begin with. <laughs> yeah. But, all right. My second favorite Tommy clip is about a name I love to talk about. Kurt Bavakwa. I just like to say Bavakwa. But Tommy Bavacqua. had other reasons to say his name. 1982, the Dodgers and the Padres met up and Dodgers pitchers Tom Needenfuhr, which in itself is another fun name to say. Uh, regardless, though, Needenfuhr had just given up a home run to the dads when Needenfuhr then worked an 0-2 count on the next batter, Joe Lefebvre, and then hit him in the head. So it's 0-2 after giving up a home run and then he hits the guy in the head. Bavakwa thought this was intentional and he let it be known. This was uh, Tommy's response after the game when asked about Bavakwa's comments. Tell you what I think about it. I think that is very, very bad for that man to make an accusation like that. That is terrible. I have never, ever, since I've managed, ever told a pitcher to throw at anybody, nor will I ever. And if I ever did, I certainly wouldn't make him throw at a 130 hitter like Lafay or Bavakwa who couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And I guarantee you this, when I pitched and I was going to pitch against a team that had guys on it like Bavakwa, I sent a limousine to get the sucker to make sure he was in the mother lineup because I kicked that sucker's ass any day in a week. He's a motherfucking big mouth, I'll tell you that. Bavakwa. <laughs> I love how he, he says that name like somebody just kicked his dog. Bavakwa. Oh, man. He said it as a curse word. It was, it was a curse. <laughs> but, you know, he's right. Kurt Bavakwa. First of all, Bavakwa played for 15 years in the big leagues. So you don't play for 15 years in the big leagues if you don't have some talent, right? Bavakwa hit 236 over those 15 years. So, you know, and with an OPS of 632, which is a 78 OPS plus. So he is 22% worse than the average player when it comes to OPS. Well, there, there you go, man. I mean, Tommy was right. Yeah. Well, the numbers. There are two seasons that Kurt Bavakwa posted negative OPS plus. <laughs> One what? was only one was only in 12 games, but in 1974, uh, he only played 18 games that year, but he had a minus 12 OPS plus. So he was 112% worse than the average player when it came to OPS that year. So wow, that's that's like me territory. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is that is something. But he played a he played a long time for a lot of teams. He was once traded by the Rangers with Mike Hargrove to the Padres for Oscar Gamble and Dave Roberts. So a couple of a couple of hmm. names there that he was at least included with. Kurt Bavakwa. That's great. I, I just love how he says that. Other great moments from the Diamond were uh, Tommy's battles against Major League mascots. And I can entirely get behind this because I am not a fan of mascots. Now, 
Tommy, uh, first of all, was, of course, the uh, the impetus behind the Expo's mascot, Yuppie, being ejected by Bach and Bob Davidson in 1989 after he flopped on top of the Dodgers dugout. Lasorda complained about the noise and Yuppie became the first mascot to ever be ejected from a Major League Baseball game. <laughs> Felt it. They were in extra innings. So Yuppie came out. Remember, he was dressed in like a toque and a, and a sleeping gown of some sort and apparently he just fell down on top of the dugout and that really made tommy mad so bob davidson (laughs) tossed him tommy also had a running battle with philly's mascot the philly fanatic probably best highlighted by the time the fanatic drove onto the field with uh, it was a pot-bellied dummy in a dodger uniform so we're supposed to assume it's lasorda and then he had tape over its mouth so tommy who again was rather old and out of shape took out out of the dugout like a shotgun like he just sprinted out of the dugout ripped the dummy away from the mascot the the fanatic got off his atv lasorda took the atv and like pushed it and rolled it away and then proceeded to beat the fanatic over the head with the effigy of himself you know he probably because he was upset he didn't think it was funny but in actuality he adds to the legend yeah. of the video yeah no it's his great. reaction yeah tommy was also a mainstay on one of my favorite tv shows of all time the baseball bunch he was a reoccurring character the baseball wizard who would appear not unlike Jombie from peewee's playhouse he would sport a turban and appear on a magic chalkboard when johnny bench needed help explaining something to the bunch Here, he helps Johnny explain to one little snot in the bunch that just because you haven't heard of Sadahara O doesn't mean that he's not better than Pete Rose. With the mystery of Sadahara O still unsolved, the bunch and I took off to see the wizard, while Rick argued that O couldn't be as good as his hero. Pete Rose is a switch hitter. He has over 3,000 career hits, and all of this is in the major leagues. How many hits does this guy have? Well, O has more home runs than Pete Rose. I know that. I think the wizard can answer all your questions. Well, Johnny, I don't know about answering all of the questions, but I do know a thing or two about the celebrated Mr. O. Home run means the same thing in Japanese, and O is the foremost authority on the subject. He broke in with the Tokyo Giants in 1959 and immediately showed tremendous power at the plate. In 1964, he set the Japanese record by hitting 55 home runs in a single season. In all, he played 22 seasons and led the Japanese leagues in home runs 15 times. That'll show that little nasally kid that just because he doesn't know Asadahara O doesn't mean he's not good. Yeah, and I heard Sadahara was much, much better at blackjack and poker than Pete Rose ever was. So. <laughs> uh, well, this was far from Tommy's only appearance in TV and movies. On the big screen, Lasorda voiced the part of Lucky Lasorda, a collie play-by-play announcer in the 1996 opus and long-awaited sequel, Homeward Bound to Lost in San Francisco. That goes right along with your dogs in baseball. Uh, theme right there yes uh, you, you notice i stuck with the non-fictional dogs yes <laughs> he, fictional uh, dogs a whole nother show he also made a cameo appearance in ladybugs in 1992 alongside rodney dangerfield also appeared as jimmy dumphy in the 1979 comedy america thon 1998 
which also starred John Ritter, Harvey Corman, Fred Willard, Meatloaf, and Jay Leno. Roger Ebert gave the movie half a star and called it a puerile exploitation of one very thin joke during 98 very long minutes. So I don't think he liked it. Can't read between the lines. I don't think he liked it. He's hinting, he's hinting that he wasn't fond, I think. <laughs> On the small screen, besides the baseball bunch, he made appearances in TV shows that defined my childhood. All right, listen to this list of shows that he made cameo appearances on. Silver Spoons, Who's the Boss, Chips, Heart to Heart, Fantasy Island, Hee Haw, Simon and Simon, and Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay, maybe Hee Haw and Everybody Loves Raymond did not define my childhood, but every other one of those shows, I was definitely watching every single week. Uh, Do you happen to remember his appearance on Chips? I I do not have a memory of that, no. So I did a little research here. One, because like I said, Chips is one of my all-time favorite shows as a child growing up. So I wanted to go. I hunted down the episode, and uh, here is a little little snippet of uh, Tommy's appearance on Chips. Forgive me, officer. I I know I was speeding, but I'm in a hurry. I'm late for the World Series. May I see your license, sir? I left him at home. Uh, look, I'm Tommy Lasorda. I'm late for the World Series. Would you step out of the car, sir? Officer, I've got to get to the stadium. Please step out of the car, sir. Uh, partner, can we talk? I got it, Punch. Do you have registration for this vehicle, sir? Look, this isn't my car. I had an accident and I borrowed a friend. Look, why do I feel like a criminal when I'm telling you this? I'm Tommy Lasorda. Uh, haven't you seen my commercials? Uh, something wrong, partner? This guy doesn't have a license or vehicle registration, and he claims to be someone named Lasagna. Lasorda. Uh, maybe your name's on the back of your uniform, Mr. Lasorda. Sure it is. Uh, that says Valenzuela. What? Valenzuela? Hey, wait a minute. That's Jerry Royce. That's his idea of a joke. Listen, I'm Tommy Lasorda. I'm manager of the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers. You know me, don't you? Yes, sir, Mr. Lasorda, I do. And I think you're a great manager. But we're still going to have to cite you. Hey, fair is fair, but could you hurry, please? Mr. Lasorda, since my partner vouches for you as a special service to a world champion, I am going to write it fast. Hey, you're a sweetheart. All units of 211 just occurred at the health club Jefferson and Corbin. Suspects left northbound in a brown Dodge. Health club guys, let's go. Um, please sign you. Uh, good luck, Tommy, and uh, no more speeding, huh? I promise. Now, you might have noticed that that was Ponch, but that was not John. This was the very first episode of the final season on which uh, Ponch got a new partner, not John, who was awful. And uh, but (laughs) I did mention that Jerry Royce would be mentioned later in this episode. And there it was playing. Yeah, I I love how he threw that in there. That was awesome. (laughs) That's Jerry Royce's idea of a joke. (laughs) Now, this was a great episode beyond this. Because also guest starring in this episode was Richard Simmons, who was teaching an aerobics class in the gym with Paunch in it. Paunch is the only one, only guy in this entire class. And he's working out in just shorts and, and, and socks, no shirt. And the gym gets held up and Paunch runs out after these guys. And there's a motorcycle chase with Paunch on his chips motorcycle, only in shorts and a helmet. It's TV gold. I don't know how this was the final season. 
Lasorda was also a proud Italian, believe it or not, and often mentioned his heritage. He also loved Italian food, so it would be no surprise that Tommy owned Lasorda Foods, which produced pasta sauce that was based on a family recipe passed down to his wife. Now, I I was not aware of this until I was doing this, but it sounds eerily like an episode of Saved by the Bell, where Screech tries to pass off the pasta sauce that he made from the Betty Crocker cookbook as a family recipe, trying to impress the uh, new girl who was played by Punky Brewster. So apparently we're just going to go full <laughs> 80s in this episode. Maybe start a Chips rewatch podcast. I'm not sure yet. What, was there a dog in that episode? <laughs> I don't think there was. I don't remember. Okay. I, I am literally doing a Save by the Bell rewatch right now because I'm also watching the new one on on the, the reboot. And I don't remember a dog at any point during Save by the Bell. Which would have made it even no, better. Anyway, like many of us, he really liked food. And uh, Tommy battled a weight issue throughout his career as a manager. But in the late 80s and early 90s, he had a breakthrough. And it was called Slim Fast. Tommy was the spokesperson for the weight loss product for several years. That's me, Tommy Lasorda, before I lost 30 pounds in three months with the Ultra Slim Fast plan. Now, that was last June. And the big news is... I haven't gained an ounce back. The plan is easy. Now, 30 pounds in three months sounds dangerous to me. I don't think you want to lose it that quick, but Tommy did slim down. And uh, I guess we've well, got slim fast. The product is slim fast, not slim slow. <laughs> slim, so. slim eventually is what I think sounds safer. But uh, Tommy also did commercials for Rolaids, which I remember those quite a bit. Uh, I do too, yeah. Did Yo Play Yogurt and Commodore Computers, where he started arguing with kids <laughs> about stats that they would pull up in a spreadsheet. So <laughs> that was uh, that works. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We've lost a lot of baseball Hall of Famers in the past year. Tommy was the actual oldest living Hall of Famer until he passed away last week. But I thought it would be better served this week to pay homage to him, remembering some of the more entertaining things that he did in his career rather than just go over numbers and kind of, uh, you know, how he got into the big leagues like we tend to do. Many of the articles I read doing research for this piece called him the last celebrity manager in baseball. And I think that really, I think that fits. There, there has definitely not been another manager like Tommy Lasorda that shows up and every like my mom knew who Tommy Lasorda was and, and loved sure. him. So I and she was a Giants fan, but he bled Dodger Blue for sure. And uh, he had loyalty to an organization that you just you just don't see it anymore. All he wanted to do was talk about Dodger baseball at any point. It, it It's it's sad. You know, I'm not a Dodger fan, but I think just like everybody, I, I love Tommy Lasorda. Well, you could not love Tommy Lasorda if you love baseball. You love Tommy Lasorda. Absolutely. All right. Well, that will do it for uh, for the main part of the show. So, Mark, let us. I'm having a tough time here because I am currently down 10 to 6, but I'm going to fight through it anyway, see if I can come back with a win. Let's jump into Wax Packs Hero. Gotta pull a Wax Pack Hero. All right, so uh, I have got a special pack. We've never opened one of these packs before. Uh, so I'm very excited for this. Uh, I think these are some good-looking cards. Hopefully we can come up with some new names we haven't heard before. Uh, we are going to be opening 1992 Score Pinnacles this week. 
Ooh, the pinnacles. Yeah. Wow. So Those I were thought, fancy back then. Yeah. So I thought, oh, well, 92 and it's pinnacle. Let's use Beckett because these might actually have some value. These are not listed in the 92 Beckett that we have. Okay. So, so much for that. So we're it was back a good to, idea. really was. We're back to war for this week. But uh, this should be interesting. Uh, we've never opened a, a pinnacle pack before. So uh, let's see what we can get in these things. Uh, let us just go over the rules really quick here. We are going to use war for the year of uh, the cards, which is 1992. We are going to give uh, everybody an extra 10th of a point of war if they're wearing a mustache or if they've grown one, I guess you could say. Uh, also, if it's a really good mustache, Tom Selleck-esque, we're gonna give you an extra two tenths of a war. Uh, you also get uh, extra 10th of a war if you're wearing real stirrups that we can see, but we're gonna minus a 10th if you're wearing the two and ones. If you're wearing high top shoes and we can see your socks and stirrups, you're gonna get a minus a 10th point of war, because that's not a good look. If you are wearing glasses of any sort, uh, whether they be prescription or flip down, we're gonna give you an extra 10th of a point of war. If you are wearing a caricature of yourself, your jersey number, or a McDonald's logo on your sweatbands, we're gonna give you an extra 10th of a point of war for each one there. And if you are a Hall of Famer, that's pretty impressive. So we're gonna give you a whole extra point of war for that. So let us get into this, Mark. I got these two packs of pinnacles here. Which one would you like, the uh, the left or the right? Well, being that this is truly a game of skill and deception, I'm going to select the right. The one on the right. All right, I'm going to have you go first, as always, because I like to be I like to come up in the bottom of the ninth inning and still have a chance. So, uh, like Fair I enough. said, you are uh, currently ahead ten wins to my six wins, and uh, let's get started. Your first card is somebody, we mentioned him, it seems like, every week. And I think I mentioned last week, because I think we pulled him last week, that he looks weird not being in an Expos uh, uniform when he's pitching. It's here with the Cardinals, Bryn Smith. Bryn Smith, didn't he have a sport, a really awesome beard? Uh, very red beard, yes. Um, yes. But what's interesting about Bryn Smith is that Bryn Smith was the pitcher for the Expos in that game where Tommy Lasorda got Yuppie ejected a little, a little bit of trivia Whoa, there for you that. yeah <laughs> i know that because i just watched the video uh you know in preparation for this uh so 1992 Bryn did not have a great season four and two not bad record wise but who cares about records a 4.64 era and a uh, war of minus 0.2 so uh right off the bat you're you're just in the negative uh nice. next we've got infielder for the braves it is jeff blauser now, remember, I called this guy once Blauza, 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 and nobody got it. That's right. And I think I looked it up and saw that you weren't making up that reference, but I still didn't understand. Yeah. So I thought I'd mention it again just to make it worse. Jeff Blauser, of course, was on that 95 World Series team. Uh, good shortstop. Always, uh, always a good guy up the middle. 1992. Uh, he did uh, okay. 262, which was his career average also. Uh 811 OPS, not too bad. Let's see, war-wise, he was a positive 2.3. So uh, that'll at least get you back on the on the positive side. You're at 2.1. Oh, wait, I forgot to give you the 10th uh, the of a point for Bryn Smith. He's got that mustache, and he also has real stirrups. So that'll get you an extra oh, two-tenths there. And then Jeff Blauser has got uh, some flip-down sunglasses, which are nice, but he's also sporting two-in-one, so that'll wash you out there. Ah. Oh, now this is why we've got Pinnacle. 
There is no name on the front of this. And uh, along the left-hand side going up, it says Sidelines. And it is a player with an electric guitar looking like he's really... <laughs> he's got a t-shirt on, but it's tucked into his jeans. So he's not really rock and roll. <laughs> but this is Jeff Wetland, who's apparently a musician. And his dad, Ed, is apparently a well-known pianist from San Francisco. And a former player in the Cubs organization, apparently, as well. See, now, this is the kind of thing that I thought might be worth something more if it was in Beckett's. But let's see. Uh, Jeff uh, Wetland. Oh, it's John Wetland. I don't know why I said Jeff. I thought he might have had a brother or something. No. <laughs> so uh, John Wetland in 92 was uh, still on the Expos. He was uh, their closer, had 37 saves, a 2.92 ERA. So you're probably going to get some good uh, war out of this. He yeah, only 1.5. I was expecting a little bit more than that, but hmm. uh, you should yeah. take that. You're not going to get anything special, though, because he's not even in uniform and he doesn't have a mustache or glasses. Next, you've got a 92 rookie prospect. I believe this guy pitched for quite a while. Uh, pitcher for the Minnesota Twins, Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. Yeah, I remember him. I remember working in, uh, in the minor leagues when he came through in AAA. And uh, he, he had pretty electric stuff back then. Yeah, and of course, I think most people these days probably know him as the father of uh, the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. First name, I cannot remember because I do not watch football. <laughs> but that's his father. Okay, there. I, I at least know that. Uh, this was his rookie year. He went three and four. He pitched in 14 games. He started 13 of them and even had one complete game. Uh, his war for the year was an even 0, 0.0. Completely average. Uh, nothing in this card is going to get you any extra points either. All right, now this By the is... Way, uh, Jeff. Pat Mahomes' son's name is Pat Mahomes. Is it? Is that... <laughs> Patrick LaVon Mahomes, yeah. I, I just want to apologize to everybody. We do not watch football, so <laughs> I was just happy that I knew that his son was the MVP last year and won the Super Bowl. You noticed I, I skipped around it because I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next card. Wow. This is a cool card. So this is a card that says grips, circle change. Uh, it's it's divided in half. On the left hand side, there is a picture of Greg Maddox in the Cubs, in the Cubs pinstripes they're pitching, and on the right side, it is a picture of him holding up a ball, showing how he throws a circle change. Nice. So that is a really cool card. Of course, Greg Maddox is a Hall of Famer, so you're going to get some extra points there. Let's see in 1992 what he did. Uh, this was his final full year with the Cubs. He went 20 and 11. And let's see, did he win the Cy Young this year? 1992, he did. He won the Cy Young this year. So you're probably going to get some good uh, good war here. Besides going 2011, 2.18 ERA, started 35 games, uh, led the league with 14 hit batters as well. But uh, that doesn't matter because he's Greg Maddox. A war, my goodness, 9.1 war for the season. Wow. Okay. That's what a Hall of Famer okay, will that, get you right there. That's pretty impressive. Goodness. Yeah. So beyond that, uh, you're going to get an extra point of war because he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he is wearing two-in-one stirrups, as he was wont to do. And since this is his rookie card, he is n it's not his rookie card. He is not sporting that sweet porn stash that he had that one year. 
So uh, you're going to get 0.9 tenths of a war. That brings you up to 13.8. Next, you've got another cub here. It is Mr. Derek May. Derek May. Don't remember a lot about him other than he was a cub. <laughs> he definitely was uh, a cub because uh, he's uh, wearing the Cubs <laughs> uniform here. Uh, the son of Dave May, apparently. Uh, Derek May in 1992, though. Um, let's see, 274 average, 679 OPS. That equates to a minus 0.4 war. So uh, great. Yeah, good for him. Uh, he does have a mustache, though, and he does have real stirrups. He'll help you out a little bit there. That's not bad. Okay, well, salvage a little bit there. Uh, this is a good pack for you. Uh, you've got another Hall of Famer, and uh, this one is nicknamed nice. The Kid. Well, there's only two that I know of. <laughs> it was either Griffey or it was Gary Carter. You're right. It is Ken Griffey Jr. here uh, with the Mariners. You, this is a good pack. <laughs> you got uh, a couple Man, of Hall of Famers here. 1992, Ken Griffey, uh, he only hit 308, 27 bombs, 103 ribs, uh, 896 OPS, so 149 OPS plus and a gold glove. So uh, He was just getting the swing of things right there. Yeah, so that's a 5.8 war for the year. Uh, of course, he is a Hall Thank of Famer. Thank you, Mr. Griffey. And uh, yes. he's got a little wispy mustache like he always had. So you're going to get an extra 1.1 war there. That'll bring you up to 20.5. Next for Cleveland, it is Scott Scudder, the Scud, the Scud missile. Yes, the Scudster. Now, if you're too young, you don't remember that Scud missiles were a big thing during the initial invasion of Iraq in the 80s. But uh, I think that was his nickname was the Scud missile. Not a particularly uh, impressive pitcher. He was on the 1990 World Series uh, Cincinnati team, though. But in 92, he was with Cleveland. He was 6-10. and 10. So uh, let's see. His war was a, a very pedestrian minus 1.7. I'll take that for you. And um, yeah, really nothing, uh, nothing going on in the card that's going to get you any more points. Next, we've got left-hander for the Orioles pitcher, Mike Flanagan. Flanagan pitched for, yeah, he was a lefty pitch for a, quite a while, if I remember right. 18 years in the big leagues, 15 of which yeah. were with Baltimore. That's uh, wow. that's pretty impressive. He was uh, went to Toronto you for do not see that. No, he went to Toronto for four years near the end of his career and then came back for two more years with Baltimore. 92, though, wow. was his last year where he appeared in 42 games, did not uh, record a single win or loss. It uh, looked like he was mainly just a mop up guy, but he had an 8.05 ERA. <laughs> so uh, that equals a minus 1.5 or he does have real stirrups, though. So that'll only be a minus 1.4. You're going backwards here, which is helpful yeah, to me. Come on now. Oh, boy, this is a great name. I remember this guy. It's a 92 rookie prospect, second baseman for the Yankees, Andy Stankowitz. The Stanker. <laughs> the Stanker. Yeah, I remember him. Let's see. Andy Stankowitz. I don't remember how long he played. He didn't play that long. I mean, nicknamed Stanky. I always call him the Stanker, but the baseball reference says Stanky. He did play seven years, so I would take that in a heartbeat. Uh, four in uh, two in Montreal, yeah. two in New York, two in Houston, and then one in Arizona. Uh, Ninety-two though, he had a pretty good rookie year. Hit two sixty-eight, appeared in one hundred and sixteen games. 
94 OPS plus. 1993, his sophomore effort, he has a minus 70 OPS plus. So uh, took a bit of a dive there. 2.7 in the war department. He does have real stirrups on, so you're going to get an extra there. So that's a 2.8 for you. And I will definitely take that. Yeah, that'll bring you up to 20.2. Next, you've got uh, for the Rangers, Dickie Thawne, infielder, shortstop, oh, I think. man. Former Astro. He was a shortstop and a fantastic hitter. He got hit in the face with a mm-hmm. pitch, and it gave him double vision. He was never the same. He, he kept playing, and he was still pretty good. But up until uh, he got hit in the face, he was looking like an elite kind of player. Yeah, he played for 15 years uh, throughout his career. Not too bad. 92 was the second to last here with the Rangers. He hit 247 in 95 games and had a 87 OPS plus. So that will equate to a 1.4 war. He does have a mustache and he does have real stirrups. So that'll get you a 1.6. I'm almost tempted to give you an extra tenth of a point of war because he is not wearing batting gloves. And that just looks cool. That's a big plus there. <laughs> Dickie Thon was a, was a scrappy player. Yeah, I used to really love that guy. All right. Next, you got Wild Thing for the Phillies. Mitchie Williams? Mitch Williams, correct. Nicknames for Mitch Williams, Wild Thing, of course, Mitchie Poo, or Dum Dum. <laughs> uh, so I like the last one the best, but well, <laughs> Dum Dum. Uh, 92, he went 5 and 8. He had 29 saves, a 3.78 ERA, and a 93 ERA plus. All said, that equates to a minus 0.4. War plus right. he's got uh, two and one, so that's a minus point five for you there from Dum Dum. Brings you down to twenty one point two, and your final card is a first round draft pick from the Tigers, Trevor Miller. Who I okay, so I'm not sure Trevor. Let's see if Trevor ever made yeah, I don't it. Know to if Trevor that. ever made a made an appearance or a cup of coffee. Oh, look, look, just looking at this, this is Trevor Miller, nineteen ninety six through two thousand and eleven. Trevor Miller played for thirteen years in the big leagues, and in two thousand and three, wow. led the league with seventy nine appearances out of the bullpen. <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is his rookie card. So this was right after he was drafted. He didn't make his debut until nineteen ninety six. So you're not going to get any any points at all from that. Nope. 21.2. Nope. War. Not bad. I'll take that. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, get into my pack here real quick and see. You have, what, two Hall of Famers in there. So that's. I did, yes. Yeah, that's a good pack. All right. So uh, we're starting right out here with another Cubs pitcher. This one is uh, somebody that. <laughs> Uh, at one point, met my mom at a party and told her she had nice legs. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, Mike Morgan, creepy old man. <laughs> creepy Mike. <laughs> creepy Mike, first round draft pick of the A's in 1978. But uh, he pitched forever, 22 years in the big leagues. Uh, that's not a bad wow. career. 1992 went 16 and 8 with a 2.55 ERA. So I'm holding out hope here that he uh, helps me in the war department. 5.4 war. Oh, come on. Uh, Definitely wearing two and ones, though. So that's just going to be 5.3 for me. Interesting card because you can see on his right elbow, he's got a whole bunch of scars there where he's had some surgery. But uh, it's a good way to start out. 
Next, uh, this is an outfielder for the Giants. It is Mike Felder. I Mike think, Felder. I think his nickname um, was Tiny, yeah, right? He was not the biggest guy, but he was quick, I remember. Yeah, I think his nickname's Tiny. Yep, nickname's Tiny. Yeah, Michael, that's right. Michael Otis Felder. 1992, appeared in 145 games, hit 286. Not much power to speak of career-wise, but he played for 10 years in the big leagues. And in 92, he mustered a 1.1 war. Uh, he's definitely got a mustache and he's got real stirrups. So that'll get me a 1.3 on the positive side. Not a lot of uh, glasses going on uh, so far. You got the uh, 2020 vision pack. <laughs> oh, Mike. Oh, I am so excited. This is one of my favorite cards of all time ever. It's a sidelines card, so much like your uh, John Wetland playing the guitar. I have got a Hall of Famer. One of the big three for the Atlanta Braves. I have referenced this card before. I have never owned this card, and I love it. It is Tom Glavin on skates shooting a hockey puck. Nice. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited for this card. I love this card. I've seen it. I've posted pictures of it before. I've never actually held it in my hands. Oh, I'm actually Today giddy. Today's the day, man. Yeah, I'm giddy about this. Let's see, 1992. I don't think we need to go through all the accolades of uh, Tom Glavin. Uh, I think we've done it before. It actually, did, oh no, you had a Maddox, didn't you, in your pack? Yes, I had a Maddox. Yeah, yes. let's see. In 1992, Tom Glavin had 20 wins and came in second in the Cy Young behind your Maddox. 20 and 8, 2.76 ERA, five shutouts to lead the league. Oh, I'm, I'm ex- <laughs> let's see here. He had a, a only equates to a 3.7 war. Um, that surprises me. Yeah, me too. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. So that'll get me an extra. That'll bring it up to 4.7. Now, we got a bit of a ruling here because we don't like high tops. Because he is wearing hockey skates, it looks like high tops. I can't see his stirrups, but I'm going to let it go. Uh, I think all hockey, all skates are high tops. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> generally, you want some uh, you want some ankle support. So that will give me a 4.7. That brings me up to 11.3 after three cards. I'm feeling good. Ooh, a barn burner. All right, this is a Team 2000 card, which I don't know what that means, but this is a real good pitcher for the Orioles, Ben McDonald. Oh, Big Ben. Alligator wrestling Louisiana swamp jumping legend. That's right. Ben McDonald does like to wrestle the alligators. One of my favorites. A lot, a lot of character. That guy was, he was just a goofy, funny guy. I follow him on Instagram, and he's always got something funny to say. So I am really not sure what Team 2000 references. This is a 1992 set, but it's got, you know, gold lettering and all that kind of stuff. In 1992, Ben McDonald went 13 and 13 with a 4.24 ERA. And uh, that was good for a 2.2 war. Not going to get anything else. Can't see anything Mm. else, but uh, I am uh, I'm making strides early here. Next, oh, I mentioned we haven't had anybody with glasses yet. Well, here's our first one. Unfortunately, he's got two and one, so it wipes it out. But uh, lefty for the Cubs, Chuck McElroy. Chuck McElroy. Boy, I'm going to be honest. I I don't have a clue. This guy pitched for, I know he pitched for the Angels. Uh, He pitched for quite a while. And if I can spell Chuck correctly, I can tell you, he pitched from 89 to 2001. 13 years in the big leagues. 
was never with a team more than three years. He was with the Cubs and the Reds for three years each. In 1992, he went four and seven with a 3.5 ERA. And uh, that is good enough for a minus 0.2 war. Thanks a lot. Ooh. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, I've got another Team 2000 card, which I don't. I, well, the last one worked out well for me. This is another Oriole, Leo Gomez. No, I don't know anything about Leo Gomez. I was going to make something up, but I decided against it. <laughs> well, I remember the name. I don't remember a lot about him. 1992 was his uh, the year he appeared in the most games in 137 games. He hit 265, had 17 home runs and 64 ribs. So uh, let's see, that comes out to a 2.7 WAR, and he's got glasses and he's got a mustache. So uh, oh. bully for me, that's a 2.9 WAR, and that'll bring me up to 16.2. And he's not wearing batting gloves either, so that's cool. Next, well, I got another Team 2000 card. This guy's nickname was D-Lou, and uh, was one of the rare players that got traded between the A's and the Giants. It's Darren Lewis. Yeah, I remember I remember Darren Lewis. And that is something rare, isn't it? Those teams do not swap players. No, they made a trade just last year. I forget who it was. But, yeah, they do not trade very often across the Bay. Uh, D-Lou... <laughs> Played for 13 years in the big leagues. Most of it was with the Giants. In 1992, appeared in 100 games, only hit 231. No power to speak of. Probably not going to help me out a whole lot. Uh, that comes up to a minus 0.6 war and no help from anything on the card. So that will bump me back down to 15.6. Just a reminder, you are at 21.2. Next, we've got a catcher who was on the 1990 Reds World Series team. It's Joe Oliver. Joe Oliver was a Mariner for a little while. <laughs> That's right. I remember that. He had like curly, you know curly blonde hair. Yeah, it's solid catcher. Uh, sometimes a starter, sometimes uh, a backup. Um, was he a left-handed hitter? He was not right-handed hitter. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> well, 1992, he was uh, definitely the number one catcher. He appeared in 143 games. Hit 270, had 10 home runs, 57 RBIs, two stolen bases. Not bad. Uh, that uh, <laughs> overall equals a 1.5 war. He unfortunately, though, has a two and one stirrups, so that's just going to be a 1.4. Still, I'm making progress. A couple of cards left. Now, I'm going to be honest. I did not know that this guy ever played for this team. This has got to be at the very end of his career. Because it's Mr. Mariner, and he is not in a Mariner's uniform. Do you know who else Alvin Davis played for? I do not. <laughs> so if I told you that I have a, I'm staring at a baseball card of Alvin Davis in a California Angels uniform, you would be just as mystified as I am. I, I would definitely think somebody was into Photoshop. Yeah, so this was the final year of his career, the only year that he did not spend on the Mariners. He only appeared in 40 games, didn't have any home runs, only hit 250, and uh, could uh, only muster a uh, war of minus 0.1. Uh, he does have a mustache, and he does have real stirrups, though, so he will get me one-tenth of a point of war, at least. <laughs> okay, next uh, left-hander for the New York Yankees, Jeff Johnson. I am uh, not recalling mm. Mr. Johnson. Um, well, you know what? It's funny. It's like your first name and mostly my last name. Tiny, your last so name. So that's yeah. all I got. But uh, he only—he was only in the league for three years. He went two and three this year. Really not much to talk about with Jeff Johnson. His war was a minus point, a minus 
So uh, Je- Jeff Johnson is definitely not one of my favorite players. Bumps me down to 15.8. Next, another uh, New York Yankee pitcher, Tim Leary. This is the Tim Leary, the baseball player, not the doctor. Correct. Definitely. This guy was around for a while. I know he was on the, he was on the Yankees when Ricky was. No. Or, no, no, he was not. He was on the, the Dodgers at that point. In uh, 1992, he was on uh, both the Yankees and was traded to the Mariners so at some point during the season. And uh, looking at his totals, oh, it's going to make me add this up. That's just never, never helpful. Uh, he had a well, minus. Yeah, sure have no math. <laughs> minus 0.1 war. Uh, plus, he does not have, he's got nice. two and one, so that's a minus 0.2. Wow, I was so I was just barreling down on you. Now I've got two cards left, and I'm ten. Po- I'm five points off. All right, let's see if this guy can help me. This was he was a good third baseman for the Texas Rangers. It is Dean Palmer. Oh God, I totally forgot about Dean Palmer. He was a good ball player. Yeah, he was. He had had some good pop. Played for 14 years with the Rangers and the Tigers, and apparently a couple of years in between with the Royals. 1992, he led the league in strikeouts with 154. <clears throat> he did have 26 home runs Lucky. and 72 ribs, though. Let's see. That equates to a war of 1.6. But unfortunately, he has got 2-1, uh, and one, so that's only a 1.5. And that brings me to my final card, which is a player that we've already had in this, uh, in this session. But this is his actual card instead of him holding a guitar. It is closer for the Expos. It's Jeff Wetland. Uh, John Wetland. Why, John? why do I? <laughs> what is, who is John Wetland? Or who is Jeff Wetland? <laughs> so uh, let's see. I don't remember what you got exactly this, uh, from this card. It is a 1.5. Unfortunately, here I can see that he is not wearing real stirrups. So that'll only get me a 1.4. And uh, that will bring my total to 18.5. And once again, I fall shy and uh, I lose again. And uh, I'm now down by five. You've won 11 to my six. But these were fun cards. I wow. don't, these are some good looking cards. And the fact that I got that uh, Tom Glavin on skates, I'm going to call myself the winner. <laughs> okay, that works for me. I will work, as long as it goes into the book. Yeah, I will, I will record it in the record books. But uh, there you go. Another episode of Wax Packs Heroes. So let's start to wrap up the show. We want to, as always, thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. 99 shows in. We got one more to get to that big hump. We're excited to get there. want to thank everybody for listening. It always helps if you want to share the show with uh, your friends, your enemies, your lovers. This is a show for lovers as well. Let people know about it. You can can find us on social media. We're on social media, believe it or not. Uh, If you look on Twitter, we have not been purged. We have not lost our account. We are there. We tweet quite often. We are at 2StrikeNoise, at TWOStrikeNoise. That is also where you can find us on Instagram, where we're not as active, but we're still there uh, checking in a couple of times a week. You can also find us on YouTube. We've got some stuff there. I'm starting to post some different stuff, uh, some things not as related to like Wax Packs Heroes and stuff, but just some other baseball stuff there. So be sure to check that out. You can find all the links in our show notes. And Mark, we've got a email address they can also hit us up at. Yes, uh, TWO Strike Noise at gmail.com spell it out two strike noise at gmail.com send us uh, one of the electronic mails we enjoy those very much 
don't send us an attachment because we're not going to open that. We know better than that. But, Probably not. Uh, you can send us some email. We'd appreciate that. All right. So uh, as I said, we'll be back next week. Big show for us. Show number 100. We're going to be centarians. Is that how you say that? I think so. And I think you, like you get some kind of oh, a, is Al Roker? Some kind of a prize, yeah, internet is prize. Al Roker, I think like you put plays That's our picture it. on the today show. If we're talking about the today show yeah. a lot, this episode, I think he's going to, he'll put a picture of us up on the today show. So, well, I would hope so. All right. Well, we will see you next week for our 100th show, but uh, until then, thank you again for listening and we will see you again on the next two strike noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you.